series on the Reformation. It's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, began by Martin Luther, October 31st, 1517. You don't need to remember that for your salvation. But we have been talking about the five, what we call the five solas, and they are Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, and then the last one today, soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. This phrase was made famous by a guy, and you may know his name, Johann Sebastian Bach. I love saying German names, Bach. It's like spit on people. And, and he became famous because whenever he wrote a piece of music, he would write that phrase, soli deo gloria, on the bottom of all his music that he composed. And it didn't matter whether it was church music or whether it was secular music. Whatever he did, like our scripture passage Bev read for us, whatever he did, whether in word or deed, he did it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's Johann Sebastian Bach. He made that famous. And so that brings us to our text for today that Bev read for us. Thank you so much, Bev. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another as the Lord forgave you. Oh, and if any have agreements against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So that describes the way that God calls you to give God glory. That you're called to give God glory in your life. In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whether at home, at work, in your community, at play, at school, whatever you are, to give God glory. And you do that by being patient and compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. It's good stuff, right? But why? Why do it? Why does Paul say this? Well, whenever Paul writes, he's got these key words. And one of his key words is therefore, right? So he's got one of those big therefores in this passage. So if you want to know what Paul's talking about, you just have to backtrack a little bit, and you'll figure out what the therefore is all about. So let's backtrack a little bit. Let's go to Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So this is a few verses back from the text, and we have another therefore. And it gives us a little bit more information, because that tells us how not to give God glory. In fact, it tells us how to dishonor God and dishonor ourselves. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So it gives us more information, but we still don't know why. So we're going to backtrack some more. So here is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says this. Since therefore you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Okay, get a little bit more information here, but still another therefore. We've got to backtrack even more here now. So we get to Colossians chapter 2. And here we go. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, 
which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. There's the why. It's it's incredible. See, bringing God glory begins with his unglorified, shameful, humiliating death on a cross. Where he was stretched out on a piece of wood, stripped almost naked, whipped, beaten, tortured, and crucified. That's about the most unglorified thing you can possibly imagine. In fact, it was so horrible. Uh, Did you know that in the early Christian church, the sign, the symbol for the early Christian church was not a cross? It wasn't. Because in the early Christian church, it was 1st century, 2nd century, 3rd century, they still saw crucifixions. Imagine us hanging up like an electric chair in the front of our church. Right? We'd be like, oh, that's too soon. That's too much. Right? And so, for the early Christians, they they never had a cross where they worshipped. Never. It was too much. It was too soon. It was too shameful. It was too horrible. They would never do it. It's only after 300 AD when Emperor Constantine outlaws outlaws crucifixion that you start to see crosses pop up in churches. But before the 4th century, never, never saw it. Jesus Christ endures shameful death. Completely unglorified way of sacrifice so that you might have life so that you might have forgiveness, so that you might have hope and a future. And that's why Paul says, all your life, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, glorify God. Give Him glory. You know, Peter put it this way. He said this, but you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God's special possession, that you may declare the wonderful praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So because Jesus Christ has claimed you as his own, he calls you to live as his people. And we all know that claim of God on our lives because you've experienced that in your life. How many of you have made something really special? Maybe like, um, I don't know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. All right, so you work on the turkey. It's like a week-long process. You get this turkey just right, right? Or maybe some of you are any artists in here? Maybe you like to paint or draw or color? Yeah, so you've painted something. You've, you've created something. You've worked weeks, maybe months on this, this artwork. How many of you have ever like rebuilt a car? Me either, right? Oh, you have her. Stud. All right. My next door neighbor, when we were in California, he and his son were going to rebuild this car. And they were in the garage. You could see him with the light on, working on this car all the time. And you know what this guy called this car? He called it his baby. It was his baby, right? You know what his wife called that car? She called it the other woman. That's the other woman. Right? He spends more money and more time on that car than he does on me. I'm like, yeah, you might be right there. <laughs> He's out there quite a bit. 
But he called that car his baby. He claimed it as his own because he worked so hard on it. And what happens when you work really hard on something? People walk up to you and go, wow, that car looks great. That Thanksgiving meal was phenomenal. That, that drawing you've done is really special. Now, what are they praising? What is being glorified, if you will? Are they giving glory to the turkey, or the painting, or the car, or to the creator, the maker of it? You have been created by God. You have been redeemed and bought back again through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus. You are his. He says all your life, whatever you do, is to be a reflection of your maker, of your creator, of the one who bought you back. And that's at work, it's at home, it's at school, it's wherever you go. Wherever the name of God is placed on you is where you are to be his priesthood, his representative, his creation. So here's the hard truth. In the church, we have not done a very good job of that. We just haven't. Throughout the centuries, in the church in America, I don't know about the church in other places of the world, but I know the church in America, overall, not a great job. The vast majority of people I know who have rejected Jesus have not done so because of Jesus. They haven't done it because of the teachings of Christianity. It's because they've looked at us, the church, and gone, oh, I don't think so. It's sad, huh? It's very sad. It should break our heart. And you, know, you, you look at that and you go, well, come on. God calls us to be just like Jesus. Okay, I need to be exactly like the perfect person. Thanks. Easy job. While I'm at it, I'll go find a quarterback for the Broncos too, okay? Ooh. Oh, that was low, wasn't that? I'm so sorry. It was too easy. It's going to take a miracle? Or it's going to take a miracle. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's going to take a miracle. Think they'll make it? It'll take a miracle. <laughs> but it's who you are. It's your calling. You're a holy nation, a royal people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God so that you may declare the wonderful praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what we do here. That's what you do. You do this. And you do it all the time. Hey, you've sent a team to Houston. You've sent multiple teams to Cuba. It's awesome. We've got this fall family fun fest coming up. And the whole purpose of it is just to love kids in this community. That's all, that's our only purpose. We've been told Stone Creek Charter School, we're not even going to talk about Jesus at this event. Okay, if we pray in his name, okay, we might be doing that, all right? We might slip that through there. But we're, there's going to be no preaching. We're not going to sit the kid down to a lesson. We're not doing that. We're just going to show you that we love you. That's our whole goal here. That's it. We have a food and clothing bank that serves a ton of folks. 
Because of you, we're able to serve kids nursery through high school and college. Because of you. We have a new nursery leader, Melissa. She's awesome. She's developing a curriculum for, for toddlers, which I didn't even know you could do that. You know? I mean, I thought I always thought curriculum for toddlers was stop. <laughs> stop it. No, you don't. No, no, no. Please, God, help. No, right? But no, there's a curriculum for toddlers. I did not know this. And it's because of you that we can do that. It's because of you we've got an intern and our high school group is thriving. It's growing. It's doing great. We've got volunteers for our middle schoolers. We've got people downstairs and Christian leaders serving kids. We can do that because of you. We have meals ministry. We've got stuff going on here because of you. Because you're representing Jesus and glorifying God by what you do. But here's the better part. You do this every single day. You guys are awesome at it. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from folks here who say, did you know that, um, did you know Ann Swanstrom? When, when Dave Lumsden was at home and, and couldn't get out of bed, Ann Swanstrom would go to his house and cut his hair for him. Did you know that? No one told her to do that. She just knew it needed to be done, so she went and did it. You take meals over to folks. You, you walk with people who are going through a tough time. You help someone out who's just had surgery. Um, you, you walk with someone who's, whose loved one just passed away. I just got the phone yesterday of uh, Steve and Giselle Ryan. They had a family friend who passed away. And they were on the phone for a couple hours with this family. Because that's who they are. They're representing Jesus. You're good in your business. You're fair in what you do at business. People like you guys. I talk to people in the community, and they'll be like, oh, do you know, you know, do you know so-and-so? Oh, man, he does good work. He does good work. That's great. That represents Jesus. I went to one church. I was actually interning at this church. I'm not going to name the church. It's in Denver, but I'm not going to name the church. But they had no concept of this. No clue. And I knew that because we had this potluck with about 100 people. And we're just kind of standing around at this potluck waiting for the pastor to come and give the prayer so we could start eating. But the pastor got detained in like this emergency counseling situation. And no one there felt confident or capable of saying a prayer so we could eat. So we stood there waiting for the pastor to say a prayer so we could eat. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Look at going... Seriously? No one here is capable of saying a prayer? You've got to be kidding me. It's not this place. It's not you. Whatever you do, in word and deed. There's a dark side of giving glory, though. And the dark side is that you do it so that you get thanked, so that you get glory, so that you get appreciated. It's a hard line. It's a tricky balance. Because you want to do these things, you want to help out, and people are naturally going to go, well, thank you so much. So here's a quick diagnostic question. If no one thanked you, would you still do it? If no one thanked you, would you still do it? If the answer's yes, but I'd be upset, <laughs> yes, but I'd get a little miffed, it's time to go back. 
Go back to the therefores. Therefore, therefore, therefore. Oh yes, Jesus Christ died and rose for me. Oh yeah, God created me. God's redeemed me as his own. I gotta get recentered on what he's done for me again. Because then he can send me back out again. If no one ever thanked you, if no one ever recognized you, would you still do it? And if the answer is yes, it's a great way to know, okay, I'm doing this for God's glory, not mine. I'm doing it for his joy. And for my mine too. Therefore. I love the text. Therefore. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other whatever grievances you may have against each other, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because my wife and I picked it out for our wedding. For when we got married, this was the scripture passage we asked to be read. And uh, she was, I was 21 years old. And at 21, you know, you didn't know this much about marriage, right? You're like, I know a little bit. I know I should be, like, nice. That's, that's about the extent of my knowledge about marriage. I should, like, be nice. That's, that's good. I was better with marriage than I was with parenting. Because when Emma was born, I really thought that having a baby was like having a puppy. So... I'm like rolling up the newspaper, and my wife's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. But that's all I knew about marriage. This verse right here. That's it. But bringing God glory has a whole lot more to do with the ordinary and the mundane than the extraordinary. Because I'll tell you a little secret. When you sent us to Houston... I don't think I should tell you this, but I'm going to. We had a blast. That was so much fun. When, when, when it's fun, it's easy. You know? I mean, serving your kids by buying them presents for Christmas and watching them open it up, piece of cake. I'll do that all day long. Parenting? Parenting is hard. Parenting is mundane. It's day in, day out. It's tricky stuff. Giving God glory, it happens in the fun stuff. It happens in the special stuff. But you know where it really happens? It happens when you're doing the dishes. That's when it happens. You're doing the dishes, and you're not you're just doing them, and you're not complaining about it. You're just getting it done. And it gives God glory. You know when God gets really glorified? When you change a diaper. Amen, sister. Amen. Amen, Jesse. Amen. That's when God's glorified. And you just pick up the baby, <laughs> babies sometimes in some cases, and you just whip out those diapers. And God is glorified, and, and it's not fun. But God's glorified because you're taking care of those little ones. You know when God's glorified? God's glorified when you're in traffic and you let that guy in front of you. God's glorified. You know when God's glorified? So when you say to your kids, I love you, with no strings attached, and God's glorified. You know when God's glorified? When you come for that person at work who's sick. 
You take on extra work just to help someone else out. And God's glorified. You know when God's glorified? It's when you're, you're, you're shoveling the sidewalk this winter. And you just go, you know what? I'm going to go a little bit farther and do my neighbors too. And God's glorified. Glorifying God, it sometimes happens in the special stuff and the big stuff and the mission trips. It's all good. Where he's really glorified, this is what you've been already doing each and every day. And you thought you were just doing it to be nice. But what you're really doing is you're reflecting the one who created and redeemed you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, <laughs> soli Deo Gloria. Lord, it's not just a fancy phrase. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a life you've given to us through your son Jesus who gave up his life for us. And so, Lord, we pray that we would see our lives, that we'd see every aspect of our lives, not just the, the church stuff, Lord, but every part of it. It's a praise song to you. Every part of it is a witness to your power. Every part of it is a, it's a testimony to your grace. Every part of it, in word and deed, is a way we give thanks to you, Lord God. And when we think about our lives this way, Lord, our lives have so much more purpose and meaning. Because we're not just going through the day-to-day. We're not just working for the weekend. But Lord, we're serving those around us and in doing so, giving you glory and reflecting you in our jobs, at home, wherever you've placed us, Lord God. In our lives, Lord, be glorified. In our lives, Lord, be glorified. Because you love us. Amen. Amen. Stand in prayer.